It's a song uh, of jazz by Cannibal Adderley, and he will, on the album that uh, I have, he has an introduction saying, you know, that sometimes you go through adversity, you go through pains, you go through troubles in life, that all you can say is mercy, mercy, mercy. And I think about that song and just how it's smooth and mellow, but how in times in life you just want to be there, that you just want to say mercy, mercy, mercy. Have you been through times? Maybe you're going through that time right now. You're just looking for a time to get a a breath of fresh air. You just need a break so you can fully inhale into your lungs so you can really cry, ah, Need mercy. Yeah. It might have been the time that I, I heard my mother say it all the time. Like, Lord, <laughs> have mercy. Because, boy, when I got on her nerve, that's when I knew. I need to get out that room. And my mom said, Lord, have mercy. I knew I need to go somewhere else. Because if not, she's about to really get into her son. Uh, there's times in our lives where we realize that, Lord, I don't know what to do. But have mercy. Think back to the time that you cried out that cry. How, how recent was it? How Long ago was it, and, and if it's such a far time long ago, you need to cry out right now because you're in some need of some mercy. And then maybe you might be able to think that when was the last time you gave mercy to somebody? You, you had the right to punish them. You had the right to be mean to them. You had the right to let them know how they were wrong, but you showed mercy. Maybe it was you on the other hand that you went to that person and said, I need mercy. Mercy, and, and we see how when mercy is given, mercy is given from the stronger to the lesser. When you are well, you don't ask for mercy, but when you're weak, you ask for mercy. When you're not able to control the situation, you ask for mercy. When you're in deserving of punishment, you cry out for mercy. You probably went to the bank, couldn't make your payment. You said, can you have mercy on me? Give me one more month to make this payment. The credit man calls you on the phone say, your money's due now. Are we going to turn off your life? He said, have mercy on me. Just give me one more day. Some of y'all sitting there looking at me like you never had a cry out that cry, but keep on living. One day is going to come when you're going to be just like David. Lord, have mercy on me. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Psalm 51, that first verse, summarize what he's calling out to God. And oftentimes in our lives, we are so overwhelmed that we realize there's nothing I can do but cry out to the one who can do something about it. Lord. Have mercy. David is caught in a time that he realized that he needed some mercy. David is, is, is now been confronted by the prophet Nathan because of the great sin he's committing. He realized, oh, I need mercy. Oftentimes we don't ask for mercy because we don't think we deserve it. We think we're all right. In the, in the text, you can look, if you need a little bit of history of Psalm 51, it says that David wrote this psalm after he was confronted by the prophet Nathan because he has gone into Bathsheba. Who is Bathsheba? Well, first and foremost, Bathsheba was not his wife. Bathsheba was the wife of one of his mighty men, Uriah. 
One of the men that stood by David's side when nobody else would. One of the men that had his back and would fight and die for him. One of those men David decided to take advantage of. David was okay because punishment did not come his way. It, it said his, his wife, he married her, so he became his wife, and she had child, and the child was born. So David has gone a time without crying out for mercy, thinking everything's all right. I cleaned it up. He, he figured out nobody found out because I killed Uriah, and uh, people know kings take women for their wives, so I took her to be my wife. Yes, this is my child, Uriah. He died. I didn't kill him. He died in the, in the battlefield. Either though I put him in the front line. I told everybody else to leave him out there by himself, uh, but I'm not responsible. David had himself clear of all wrongdoing. He was moving on in his life, but yet... Oftentimes, when we allow sin to go unchecked in our lives, when we allow sin to sit dormant in our lives, there's something inside of you that starts changing. David, that was known for singing songs, didn't sing a song. <laughs> David, that's known for writing songs, did not write a psalm. It said that he did not cry out, but when he goes later down to something, Lord, create a new heart in me, then I will cry out. You see, oftentimes we allow sin to push us down so deep that it stops us from reaching out to God. It stops us from doing what brings us joy. It stops us from receiving that joy. And David realized that not only has my joy been taken away, but yet something hit him really profound when Nathan came to because Nathan told him a story. And David receives the story as this is a, a real account. And, and, and Nathan goes on to the end of the story how this one man had plenty of sheep. Took this one man who had one sheep and killed it and ate it for himself. And, and, and David was really mad about this. David being a shepherd know what it means to take care of your sheep and to love your sheep as your own. Especially if you only had one. It becomes part of your family. You call them by name. You, you care for them. You take for them. And so David was mad about this one man that had many sheep that took one. And David says his punishment should be death. Nathan looked back at him and said, that man is you. And it hit David like a ton of bricks. Oh, Lord, <laughs> have mercy. All of us here need God's mercy. Paul made it clear, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none that can stand before him righteous. There's none that can stand before God who has been blameless. All have sinned. All of us are in need of his mercy. Tell somebody, I need God's mercy. I, I, I need God's mercy. See, we all need his mercy. So you can't say, look at David, shame on him. You need to look at your life and say, shame on me. Because I too have fallen short. Maybe I have not done the same things that David has done, but sin is sin. You broke one, you broke them all. You broke the least, you broke the greatest. You broke one, you did them all. So David, yes, he was an adulteress. Yes, he was a murderer. Yes, he broke God's Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not murder. Yes, he did those things. But what have you done lately? That lie you told, you justified. It was a little white lie. I didn't hurt anybody's feelings, but you hurt God. That little... Dollar you stole, you, you saw laying down, you knew somebody dropped, but you put it in your pocket, you didn't hurt them because they didn't know, but God saw you. 
the time you knew somebody did something, but you were quiet. You did not confess. So you figure, if I don't say anything, I'm not lying, but you still lied because you knew right and you did wrong. God sees you. So oftentimes in our lives, we can justify doing things because we'll make up reasons. We'll think my wife may understand if I work longer hours because I'm only doing it for her, but she asked you to come home early. Well, she'll understand. God is, wants you to be there for her. Oftentimes in our lives, we want to make up excuses for ourselves when God is saying, I've given you the truth. David says, against you, God, against you, I've sinned. Did he not sin against Bathsheba? You're right. Yes, he did. But ultimately, when we sin, we hurt our father. It's, it's easy for us to look at the truth, but it's hard to point out what is wrong. I was looking at it, talking about an illustration. If I had a stick behind my back and I told you it was crooked, many of you would have a different idea what a crooked stick would look like. But if I told you I had a ruler, you know what a ruler looks like. We know what right looks like. We oftentimes can look at wrong in different ways. It's not all the way bad. It's kind of all right. I can see how that could be okay. But what's straight is what's straight. What's right is right. There's no difference about it. But we find other ways to justify why we're wrong. But David realized I was all the way wrong. Lord, have mercy. Where have you been when you cried out, Lord, have mercy? What relationships have you been in that you asked that person, please? Have mercy. You're asking this person that has a right to judge you, has a right to punish you, to withhold that punishment. David gets clear in this psalm. Look at it. Look at it. Look at the psalm. Look at it. It says, verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 3, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee. Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightst be justified when thou speakest and be clear. When thou judgest, behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken, my goodness, may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot all my iniquities. You see, all of my iniquities, all of them, and create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I'm going to stick a pen up to that point. I want you to really grasp why David's crying out for mercy. David sat under the first king. The first king God chose, and when God chose the first king, his Holy Spirit rested on this king, and God's favor was with this king. God clearly told this king what to do and how to rule. He gave Samuel, the prophet, the instructions to this king, and Saul was ruling, and the kingdom was growing. The people were happy, but Saul had a problem with his patience. Samuel told him to wait. Till I show up to make the sacrifices. Samuel also told him, let nobody live, but kill everybody and everything. But Saul was influenced by his people, and they saw what was good and kept 
what was good. Even the king, his mortal enemy, he kept alive. And Samuel shows up on the scene. And, and Samuel, he is bleeding a sheep. And, and Saul's trying to run out to Samuel and say, look what I've done. And, and Samuel stops him in his tracks and says, yes, sir, you have defeated them, but you have not been fully obedient to God. Saul, wait, wait a minute. I've done what you asked. And, and Samuel says, what's this bleeding of sheep out here? You're supposed to kill them. And the king, uh, he's right here. Hold up. Wait a minute. So Samuel says, you know what? I'll kill the king. Boom, he did. And Saul crying out, oh, don't leave me. And he grabbed and the robe ripped. And Samuel turns back to so has the kingdom been torn away from you. And the Holy Spirit left Saul. God gave his Holy Spirit during this time before of Pentecost to those he specifically put in leadership so that they would be able to lead with power and authority. But when you are rejected from God, he will remove his favor from you. He will take his face away from you. David asked God not to cast me away. Do not remove your Holy Spirit. David did not want to be rejected from God. We cry out for mercy because we do not want to be rejected. See, God will reject sin. And he will not allow sin to stay in front of him. Just as if you had a boyfriend or you had a girlfriend that cheated on, you will reject them. Am I right about it? You kick them out. You, you tell them, like, you better call Tyrone. You better get your clothes up out the door. You let them know you reject them because they have rejected you and you kick them out the door. But sometimes we allow sin to stick in. But yet we can easily reject those who harm us. When we harm God, we don't admit it. We won't repent. We won't confess. But we want everybody else to confess to us. But God is saying, just come to me. I'll show you mercy. But other people like us, oftentimes we will kick you out the door. David realized that my sin deserves this. My sin deserves rejection. My sin deserves me to be not as king. Because Saul did evil before you, Lord. I have done evil before you. Lord, please do not reject me. But what Nathan told David was that you surely will not die. David received mercy, but yet the punishment of sin is always present. David would not die, nor would David remove his Holy Spirit from him. Punishment and rejection from God is the worst. That's what hell is. Hell is, is absent of the presence of God. That's why we get excited to be absent from the body is to be present with God. You don't say to be absent from the body means not to be in presence of God. No, we know that bliss Paradise is in the presence of God. Wherever God is, that's where I want to be. And David realized, Lord, I want to be in your presence. I want your face upon me, but yet I don't want you looking <laughs> at my faults. See, in this cry of mercy, we do not want rejection. We want exception. That's what you want for somebody is to accept you. So mercy on me. Yes, I've done wrong, but please still accept me. 
A lot of us need to practice that in our relationships. Instead of just rejecting that person, you still need to accept them and bring them back into the fold. How much more the Bible tells us to be forgiving towards one another. Thus, as God is forgiving to, to us through Christ Jesus. We should be gentling and restoring, but we should not be rejecting. But yet when they cry out for mercy, just as we cry out to our God, we should be willing to accept them as they are and not point out their faults. David clearly points out, blot out my sins, blot out all my iniquities. I want you to really grab this word blot here. See, we, we live in time of modern technology that we don't say blot out, we just say erase. We'll say, if you're typing, we'll say delete. In, in times of computer, if you get to a place you should not be, say hit the escape button and you'll get out of that screen. But during this time frame, they will write out lineage, the word with ink, and they'll put it on leather skin. And the Hebrew, they went from the right to the left. And oftentimes, if they ink got too much ink and they put a blot on, that stuff is ruined. They have to start all over. Or even in the lineage of a family, they will put down, for example, my, my mother put down all their children down. You might know our lives in place has the initials, but my mom and my dad were ashamed of me. They could blot me from the record books. They will put an ink blot over my name. If somebody says, what happened to that son at this son? He does not exist. There's no record. He's been blotted out. Do you understand? That's what they would do. They will blot out. And so it be hard for because we didn't have the computer systems, didn't have the retrieval system, didn't have the mainframes that they were able to go back and Google, Yahoo, whatever you do to search and line and find out the resources. If it was been blocked out from that master record, that was the only record. Everything else was blotted out. You did not exist. David says, Lord, I don't want my sin to exist. Blocked it out. Many times in our lives, we realize there's some things we've done we want to have removed from the record. Get speeding tickets, right? You want that class to remove it from your record. Don't want that insurance to go up. You want to keep that, 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 that low premium you may have. You don't have you trying to get it. So you're trying to remove <laughs> some tickets from your record. You want them to be blotted out. David says, Lord, I've done sin and my sin is forever in front of me. But Lord, I don't want it to be in front of you. He says, I know I'm a sinner and I know you hate sin, but Lord, hide my sin. He says, Lord, if you clean me, I will be clean. If you purge me, I'll be whiter than snow. What is that saying? It's like the song, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. See, no other found. I know you see David pointing out, nobody but you, oh God, can make me whole. Mercy, mercy, mercy. We have people that are sitting to your left, to your right, who, 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 who may just judge you and talk about you. Yes, I'm talking about the church. Well, I know we're not perfect. You get mad at me. That's all right. Be mad. But I want you to tell the truth. There's times that we judge people. We tell them how bad they are and what they used to do. But I'm glad that God blocks my sins. 
My God won't come by saying, you remember that time you was a crook? You still a crook. I, I still don't trust you. No, my God come by and reminds me, said, since you believe in the Son, I call you my child. I call you righteous. That's the God that has mercy, mercy, mercy. You see, I can cry out to David, Lord, have mercy on me. Blot out my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Oh, Lord, I'm coming with a broken spirit. A broken and a kind try hard because why i see the damage of sin we cry out for mercy because we see the damage of sin you see the damage of sin what does the damage cause look what happened to david and it did not only impact him it immediately impact his son who he wanted to be king Bathsheba's child that child that he had through adultery god told him your child will die then he goes on to tell David, you won't die, but uh, you're going to see some problems in your life. Just like you took somebody else's wife, they're going to take your wives. He, lo and behold, he did not know it's going to be his own son, my goodness. His own son's turned on him, trying to become king. Lo and behold, because of that, his son, he, that died, Absalom, died. Oh, David, wish it was him. David said, oh, Absalom, oh, Absalom, if it was me that would have died, I'd be much greater off. See, David realized, oh, the sin I've caused impacted my life. Lord, I need your mercy. That's the problem that we have to face in our lives, that yes, we may sin, and yes, we may still live. Yes, we still may prosper and move on, but yet the effects of sin are still around. Because if it, does, if it does not always affect you externally, it impacts you internally. David says, Lord, in my inwards you desire truth. You will reveal to me your wisdom. That's what David cries out. And then he says, Lord, create in me a new spirit. See, David realized I'm tormented inside. Have you ever been there? You told a lie and it been tormenting you. You've been tr- waiting for the time to tell the truth. To admit it was you that done it because you realize the pain and the hurt that it causes you as well as it causes somebody else. And you just want to let it go. You just want to be set free. But you're scared of the punishment. You're scared of the judgment. But I'm here to let you know that there's no greater judgment than God. And when you just come before God, say, Lord, uh, have mercy. Don't worry about what other people are going to say. You you might have suffered them circumstances. But yet the God that has control of over all eternity, he can have mercy, mercy, mercy. Oftentimes in our lives, it stops us from doing the right thing because we're scared of what somebody can do for us. But they have a heaven nor a hell to put you in. So there's no need to fool. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid of? So I can be like David. I can come before the Lord. Yes, I've messed up. Yes, I deserve judgment. But Lord, I cry out. Have mercy on me. We're looking at the economy. We say economy. <laughs> have mercy on me. Many of us roll, roll up to that gas station. You're like, Lord, <laughs> have mercy on me. Don't let it be too much this day. Or, or maybe I'll wait. Some of us might be just like me. You wait to, for a couple of days hoping it's going to go down. It's a little bit lower. Just, just hoping to go down so you have to spend as much money on the gas tank. We looking for mercy in every aspect of our lives. A, a lot of us want just a little bit of relief. But I'm glad there's a God that can speak to your inward 
that can speak to that soul of yours and build you up that no matter what's falling down around you, you can stand and sing with a shout of joy. You can sing with a shout of praise because you know what God has done for you. David realized, Lord, I'm in need of your mercy. Don't remove your, your spirit from me. But he says, do not cast me away from thy presence. Look at what he asked now. He says, cast me not away from thy presence. Do not remove your Holy Spirit from me. Do not look at my sins. David realized, Lord, I want to be perfect in front of you. Can any of you go back to your childhood days and remember when people didn't look at you and how that broke you? You wave at people, they didn't wave back at you. That's rejection. You ask them to pick you in the basketball game or dodgeball or hopscotch and they don't pick you. That's rejection. You out there playing by yourself. Nobody looks your way. That's rejection. Have you suffered that kind of rejection? But yet, but yet we have a God that sees how the world may reject you. Our people may persecute you. But God can look upon you. That's why we can get excited when we sing that song. God has smiled on me. What does that mean? In order for you to see his smile, I mean he's looking at you. He's saying, child, everything's going to be all right because I'm your father. You are my child. Do you see me smile upon you? Do you see my face radiant upon you? I'm glad that we have a God that can show mercy on us. He can turn away our sins away from us and he look upon us with righteousness because only he can make us clean. It says, Lord, you purge me with his. And this is very important. This is very powerful because David is going back to the law. And the law would have the cleansing of lepers. You look at Leviticus 14 chapter. You can read all the way through. And the law points out how they would use his to have sprinkled the blood. And this leper would be pure. When we have sin all up in us. When we have guilt weighing us down. We want to be free. When we have the burden of the law on our shoulders, weighing us down, we want to be free. That's why Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and sit under my teaching. Find rest for your soul. That's why Peter and the apostles were saying in Acts, that, that yoke was too heavy for us to bear. How much more? So we make them bearers, but we all have been saved through the grace of Jesus. That's why David realized, Lord, there's nothing I can do that can make me clean. There's nothing I can do to make my wrongs right. But Lord, you can cleanse me. And purify me. What is that saying? It's saying no matter what you have done, no matter what you have gone through, it's not too great for our Father in heaven. To forgive you. I know maybe your brothers may never forgive you. Your children may never forgive you. Your, your divorced wife may never forgive you. But I'm telling you there's a father who has forgiven you. And that has to account for something. Because he's the one that has the final say so. He's the one that's going to say well done. 
my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over some things, but now I will give you many things. He is the one that says, I will welcome you in the kingdom of mine. He will let you walk the streets of gold. I know because it hurts when you love somebody and they don't forgive you. I know it hurts when you love somebody and they still reject you. But there's someone that loves you more than the world can offer you. There's someone that loves you more than silver and gold. There's someone that loves you more than that raise you think you ought to get at your job. God shows you his appreciation to you by simply showing his mercy. Look at how the mercy brings restoration. Created me, a, verse 10, a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with the free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from the blood, guiltness, O God, that thou of, of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of the righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. He emphasized that two times in my tongue, my lips, my mouth. It wants to be filled with your praise. For thou desire not sacrifices, as would I give it to thou. Thou desire not in burnt offerings, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise I want you to grab right there. God desires a broken spirit. What does that mean? Basically, the little translation translation breaks down to be a crushed or shattered or broken into pieces. And then look at the emphasis again. A broken or crushed or shattered spirit and a broken, crushed, and shattered and contrite heart, or other words, basically in the little translation, is broken, broken, and broken, used three times. If you're not getting it, if you need another title for this message, come crushed or be crushed. Come crushed to God. Come to him broken and in shambles. And realize that he is the creator. And he can create a right spirit in you. I believe the, and Corinthians says that whoever confesses Christ becomes a new creation. I'm talking to somebody here. There's only one person that can create something new in you. Nobody else can create something new in you. Only God can take nothing and turn it into something. Do you need some help here? Do you remember back in Genesis? I, I believe that the greatest preacher that ever lived, the only pulpit he has was the power of his character. And he simply said, let and everything that was not became the strange become what is. <laughs> he said, let there. And everything that was not there became the strange. Just to get ready to become what was not to become what is. And God said, let there be light. And the light just shine. You understand that God can take whatever you're dealing with. He can change it with his word. 
Go back home to your spouse. Go back home to your children. Go back to your workplace. Go back to your neighborhood. And go back changed by the word of God. Yes, you came here broken, but you can leave out here brand new. Yes, you came here crushed, but God can build you up that you can realize that I may be breaking and cracked, but I'm not broken because he has put something in me. He put something in me that's going to keep me together. What is greatest is he that sent me that he that is in the world. See, David had a cry back then. Lord, remove not your Holy Spirit from me. But Jesus said there's going to be a time. Get up in that upper room. I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. Oh, call on the name of the Lord. Shall receive it. And the Holy Spirit's not just coming with some something that has no power, but you will have all power. The power of the Holy Ghost to be my witness. And with the power of this Holy Spirit, we saw lame walk. We saw dead talk. We saw blind see. We saw lame speak. We've seen God do some awesome things. And I want you to grab the same power. It's also in you. We have a covenant now through our God that he sent Jesus who knew no sin To become sin. He sent Jesus. To blot out. All. Your transgressions. He sent Jesus. To purify. To cleanse you. Who. Can show us the mercy. That we need. Nothing. Nobody. But God. Who is a righteous judge? No one but God alone. And aren't you glad that since he's a righteous judge, I can say, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I can realize that I should be dead and buried in my grave, but yet once upon a time, uh, many moons and years ago, at the age of 33, a man was hanging on the cross, and, and they tried to kill him, but the word tells me that he gave up the ghost. They could not kill him. He said, I will lay down my life. They thought they could take it away from him, but he says, I have all power. Because of that great God and because of his great mercy and his much, his great loving kindness towards us, we can cry out for mercy. I don't want you to walk away here and just think this sermon was just to make me feel good. I want you to take the time and cry out for mercy to God. You know what sin issue you're maybe struggling with. You know what issues in life you're dealing with. And you know you need some mercy. I want you to realize with the same faith David came to God and cried out for mercy. You too can come right now and cry out for mercy to God. However you feel calm, you want to get down on your knees. You want to come towards the altar. But I want us to come together to our Father and cry out for mercy. 
Because, Lord, we need your mercy. Lord, we need your mercy. Come as you feel. Come as you feel. You want to sit right there, that's fine. But we just want to pray. And as I pray, you can move where you want to move. But I want you to fully cry out to our God because we need his mercy. We need his mercy. However you want to come, you want to stand, you want to sit, you want to kneel, you want to come for. Lord, right now, Lord, we come to you as we can, Father, Lord, because we're in need, Lord, of your mercy. Father, Lord, we realize we have sinned and we have sinned against you. And, Lord, when we have sinned against you, Lord, we've hurt others. Father, we hurt our brothers, we hurt our sisters, Lord, we hurt our siblings, we hurt our loved ones. But, Lord, most of all, we've hurt you. And, Lord, you are just in how you judge upon us, but, Lord, we ask for your mercy. Oh, Father, please, please remove this guilt from us, almighty God. Lord, blot out our sins, remove our transgressions from us. Lord, look not at our sins, but look upon us as your children. And, Lord, create a new spirit within us so that we will sing with our lips, with our mouth, and with our tongues a new song to you. That we be able to testify to all that come, Lord, that you are God all by yourself. And, Lord, we would not have been here if it wasn't because of your grace and your mercy. Lord, you looked upon us and you saw our faults and you saw our needs. And, Lord, you've given us the just provision that we need. Lord, there's times we've been in our sick beds, but, Lord, we're standing on our own strength. Lord, there's times we didn't have any food to eat, but, Lord, you blessed us with a meal to sustain. Lord, I thank you, God, that no matter what we go through, you're always there. We thank you for your mercy. And we plead for your mercy. We plead for your grace to be evident in our lives. And that, Lord, we walk under your mercy. And that we celebrate. And that, Father, we sacrifice ourselves to you with a broken heart and a broken spirit so that you can form us and make us to be who you formed us and called us to be. Have your way, Father, with us is our prayer. And we thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray that you say, amen.